When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 442 of Sustainable Minimalists. This is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we are taking our beauty regimens and we are making them a little bit healthier, a little bit less toxic. And I wanted to cover this episode because, oh my goodness, I am turning 40 in four short months. (laughs) I never really thought about my age. I'd always just assumed youth was on my side, but the number is approaching the big 4-0. The gray hairs, they are popping up faster than I can pull them out. The wrinkles are coming. And so as I examine my own aging journey, I realized that most of us women, we set about doing whatever it takes to conform, right? Our culture does not like an aged woman. So that's where all of the things that we women do to maintain our position in the herd, I'm talking hair dyeing and teeth whitening and Botox and skincare regimens and cosmetics, all the things, right? At the end of the day, we're doing all these things so that we may conform with our peers. Now, this is not a show about challenging our culture's stance on aging and particularly women's aging. It's not about examining the way in which aging women are perceived. We're not doing any of those deep things on today's show, but we are talking about the toxins problem as we increasingly rely on products and procedures and treatments to delay looking our age. And spoiler alert, listeners, new companies are popping up all the time that are targeting women 40 plus. Why, you might wonder. Well, the answer is simple. 40-plus women were known to be quite wealthy financially. The market for women ages 40 and even specifically 50-plus is valued at $15 trillion. So step one is just to be aware of what you're being marketed. Step two, then, is to decide whether the anti-aging products that are being marketed to you are in your best interests, are aligned with your values. Here to help us become more informed consumers is Sophia Ruan Goucher. Today, we're specifically talking about the toxins problem in our hair dyes and our skincare regimens, all the anti-aging things that we do to conform. Sophia, so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on and thank you for writing your book. Holy moly, what a book. I would love it if we started our conversation today by you talking about the first few pages of 
the book. Bring us back to 2007, I believe it was. You got home from a long day of work. You had an infant child sleeping. You had a short window to sleep. I I won't give away the whole story, but you didn't end up sleeping that night. Give us a story. I didn't end up sleeping that night and for about 10 years after that night. So in 2007, my first daughter was about four months old. I was proceeding with a nightly routine that became a part-time or full-time job that would begin at around anywhere from 11 p.m. or midnight after I finished pumping. I would go through carefully selected reading materials by physicians and other trusted authorities to figure out the schedule the next day for my daughter's sleep and play. And I accidentally started learning that there's nitrosamines, which are cancer-causing chemicals in rubber baby bottle nipples. My first reaction was, this cannot be true. If it were true, somebody like my OBGYN or pediatrician would have alerted me to this, but I couldn't ignore these claims. So I would go to the internet to search, are there credible sources to back up these claims? And I found that there were. There was enough information that I wanted to figure out a safer alternative. So I would finish verifying these claims, usually anywhere from 2 to 3 a.m., and then be on Amazon and other websites to figure out what are safer alternatives. I would then maybe have an hour or two to sleep before my infant would wake up at 5.30 or 6 in the morning and proceed with my demanding job outside the home. And this began a nightly routine that shows how I was accidentally learning about toxic exposures to my infant. After a few years of acquiring an incredible body of science that was showing me that there are so many household exposures that everyone has a right to know more easily than how I had to learn. I decided to share what I wish I knew sooner in a book that I published in 2015, and it's called A to Z of Detoxing. And listeners, it is the book you need if your journey is taking you on a low-toxing life. Oh my goodness. I was saying to you, Sophia, before we started recording that I love how easy it is to use. It's more of a textbook. It's a manual. You want to make your dental routine, your toothpaste, your mouthwash a little bit less toxic. Just go to that section, read up. You can learn everything you need to know in 10 minutes. And you offer suggestions on what we should be looking for, what we should be staying away from. So thank you so much for sharing your research with the rest of us. So thank you. I just feel like that story is so relatable because for me as well, I found myself quite concerned about the toxins we're exposed to through my journey of becoming a mother. I want to also just ask you too, though, I hear a lot of times my mother, people of the older generation, they always say, I never worried about any of that stuff. And I turned out just fine. Look at me. I'm healthy. Everything's fine. But I think that there's a flaw to that logic. And I'm curious, what do you think about that logic? Oh, I never cared about it. and I'm fine. What do you think? That's a very common reaction. And 
think it's so helpful to just learn the data. So most people don't realize that since World War II, there have been over 86,000 unique chemicals introduced into American commerce. And every country has its own experience with the number of unique chemicals introduced into their country. But so many of our household products today are a result of an international effort. So that's why this is a global problem. It, this is why it's so important for consumers to be more conscious of what they buy and invite into their home, keep in their homes, because the chemical contaminants around the world show up in our homes. Our homes have a microcosm that reflects so much of what's going on in the world. And of the more than 86,000 chemicals introduced into American commerce, less than 1% have been studied for safety for human health, and even fewer are regulated. Just in cosmetics alone, Europe has outlawed over 24, 2,600 chemicals. And in the US, it's just 11 that have been outlawed. So it's important for consumers to realize that there isn't really anyone looking at the big picture to make sure that consumers are safe. Our government does the best it can. There are pros and cons to our government and many others. But again, it's just important that consumers be aware of where they may be vulnerable to toxic exposures that they can easily avoid. Yes, I believe you use the number 86,000 chemicals at the moment. In your book, you describe it as a chemical explosion that started taking place in the years after World War II. And I'm assuming that these chemicals are still being created in 2024. So the explosion is still exploding. And so when I hear, you know, we never cared about that stuff, we turned out okay. Well, the first question I would ask is, were you born prior to World War II? Because if so, you were growing up in a drastically different world than we are living in, in 2024. Do I have that right? You do. And to add to that, every year, it's hard to know. No one really knows how many new chemicals are introduced every year, but estimates range from 1,000 to 3,000 new chemicals every year just in the United States, but it very well could be a lot more. And so as an example of the health risks that are posed from these chemicals, so far, about a thousand chemicals have been identified as endocrine disrupting chemicals. That means about a thousand chemicals have been identified as being able to participate in our human health and development. So that is especially concerning for when humans are going through drastic changes in their development, which is in utero, early childhood, adolescence, and menopause. Well, let's pivot, Sophia, and let's talk about these anti-aging products that are being marketed to me hardcore. <laughs> I mean, we all want to maintain our place, our important space in the herd, in the tribe. We don't want to be ridiculed for aging. And so enter all the things. Let's start with hair dyeing because 
my hair is getting to that point where the highlights are no longer covering the immense amount of grays. So talk to me about the concerns from a human health perspective associated with hair dye. And for those of us who are committed to dyeing our hair, how can we make better, safer, smarter choices? There are concerns with hair dyes. In terms of cancer, for example, there have been studies investigating whether ingredients in hair dyes can contribute to cancer. And the results of the studies are inconclusive, but there's enough of a positive correlation that scientists urge further study. There's an organization called the International Agency for Research on Cancer, and they have found that workplace exposures to hairdressers or barbers, their exposures to ingredients in some hair dyes is probably, quote unquote, probably carcinogenic to humans. Studies have also found that the offspring of women who were exposed to hair dyes either while pregnant or breastfeeding and probably even preconception tend to give birth to children who are more likely to have certain health issues. While It's inconclusive exactly what in hair dyes causes in humans. The data that is understood urges that we be conservative. So taking a step back, beauty and feeling good about yourself is so complex and there's so much value. There's really immeasurable value in a woman or man or beyond to feel confidence and happy with themselves. And so I really think it's important that no one judge anyone who's doing anything to feel more beautiful. So my approach to beauty and cosmetics, including hair dyes in general, is get informed of the health risks and make an informed choice and do your best to prevent the frequency of when you're going to expose yourself. So if you can use highlights for as long as possible, that can decrease your exposure because the chemicals aren't, maybe you're not exposed to as many chemicals, it's not sitting on your scalp as much. And as you move along the spectrum to permanent hair dyes, then there is more risk. But there are chemicals and heavy metals found in hair dyes that do pose health risks. But exactly what's in hair dyes depends on the formula of the hair dye. And there are countless numbers of recipes. So it's highly complex. You'd have to understand your exposures. You'd have to understand exactly what product your hairdresser is using and dig into the research. And chances are there's insufficient information. So I think some simple strategies are, again, reduce the frequency of when you use it, try and use a hairdresser that's conscious of the products that they use. And when you're in the hair salon, ask if they can crack open the window and just allow more fresh air exchange with that indoor environment while you're being exposed. Another simple tip is be aware that if the skin of your scalp is damaged, maybe from scratching or sunburn or something else, then you're more likely to absorb more of the ingredients in the hair dye. 
That's a good one. I've never thought about that before, but that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious if you've come across any information with regard to whether semi-permanent dyes are, I'm not sure if healthier is the right word, but if they're less (laughs) toxic than the permanent ones, which I believe change the structure of your hair. Have you come across anything with regard to that? There is literature online. I just think the safest response, the safest assumption is that it's hard to know unless you're comparing specific product formulas. Because again, there are so many varieties of formulas used. It just depends on the ingredients used. Another simple thing you can do is wear a mask when you're in the hair salon. That can help reduce your exposures. Those are great tips. Thank you. I really am latching on to your answer there. And specifically, I think it might even become a theme of today's show. I'm getting ahead of myself, but be conservative, delay your exposure, and less is more, right? We're a minimalist show. If you can minimize your exposure to uh, these, in this case, procedure, you'd be doing a world of goodness for your health. So we're going to take our ad break, Sophia, but when we come back, we're going to talk about teeth whitening. My yellow teeth need all your information. We'll do that after a quick sponsor break. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. 
And we're back. Today, I'm speaking with Sophia Ruan Goucher. She's the author of A to Z of Detoxing, The Ultimate Guide to Reducing Our Toxin Exposures. She's also the founder of Ruan Living. Before the break, we discussed hair dye, and now we're on to teeth whitening. What should we be aware of, Sophia? Again, the hazards or health risks from teeth whitening products will depend on the exact ingredients used in those products, but there are enough studies that show there are heavy metals in these teeth whitening products. And really, does anyone know? Has anyone really been looking into them? So you want to be conservative. Again, if your teeth make you really unhappy and whitening your teeth makes you really happy, then that's really worthwhile too. But there are natural remedies that can reduce your desire for using the more toxic products. Prevention is a really good thing to incorporate into your daily routines. So things that will stain your teeth include coffee, red wine, soda, even dark berries. So just being aware of that can help. And generally speaking, if you rinse your mouth with water after eating anything, but especially those things that can help and floss and brush your teeth afterwards that prevent stains, but also has been found to maybe manage bacteria in your mouth that can lead to more stains. Also, eating more fruits and vegetables can help prevent stains or clean your teeth. Certain fruits and vegetables have been found to act as like abrasive cleaners, like carrots and apples, and certain things like strawberries have malic acid, which has been found to keep your teeth white. I like your emphasis there on prevention. And it makes me think that in our culture, the actual ways to age gracefully, like the tried and true (laughs) methods, they often get overlooked, right? It's not about a quick fix necessarily. It's about those daily habits that aren't as easily monetized. Like you said, being aware of what's staining your teeth, that's not easily monetized, right? Being active, eating right, prioritizing quality sleep. I'm talking about beyond, of course, yellow teeth. I'm I'm talking about just doing those prevention activities each and every day, going to get your regular checkups at your doctor. These are long-term lifestyle habits that do work. And so I just want to say that prevention in all aspects beyond teeth whitening is something that um, we would all do well to remember. Now, this has nothing to do with teeth whitening, but I have a question. And I'm just curious about mouthwash and, you know, act. It is bright blue. And that bright blue is not a natural color. It is likely a food dye in there. Is there anything I should be concerned about with the Listerine? Let's say my husband uses it like it's going out of style. Any thoughts there? That's a great question. I've actually researched the best mouthwash for my family over the years. And because in my genetics, I am more prone to like my enamel is unusually thin. So my children and I are much more vulnerable to cavities. And so for me, I decided 
that things like ACT, which is a fluoride rinse, is worthwhile for my children to use. But I think the parts to me that are really conflicted don't enforce it. So while it's been around and I've had occasional conversations with my children about using it, they don't really use it. (laughs) So it's always like a push and a pull with these products for me because, again, of my genetic vulnerability. I ended up choosing the Listerine product that had the lowest hazard rating assigned by the Environmental Working Group because my dentists, I've had a variety of dentists over the years, they all insist I use Listerine. I've looked into it. I've also been concerned about the ingredients, but ended up deciding that given my oral health, Listerine is just where I feel most comfortable with because if I develop more serious issues, I don't want to wonder if I use the Listerine, would that have helped prevent what situation I'm in now? So I think everyone should take the time to investigate the mouthwash they use and consider their unique like dental vulnerabilities and consider what's approved by the American Dental Association, what your dentist is recommending research your products, have the conversation with your dentist, but it's really good to be mindful. I'm glad you're bringing that up. I've also been concerned about the added sugars and my children's mouthwashes. But at the end of the day, I believe in diversifying your risks. And so my children have used these things sometimes, not every night, because I'm uncertain as to what they really should do. I like your phrase there, diversifying your risk. And I also like your emphasis there on doing what's best for your family. So taking the recommendation and doing a little bit more research. I say that because so many of us, we just do what the authority figure tells us to do. In this case, the dentist. But I was at the dentist the other day and my hygienist, who is lovely, she's wonderful, but she said, you know, I can buy this over-the-counter product and it will just take away all the stains on my teeth. I'm drinking coffee as we speak. Like, I drink a lot of coffee. Historically, I love a good glass of red wine. And so she said, just get this product. It'll fix the problem over-the-counter. And so I did my research on this product, and there was a lot of concerning things in that product. And so I decided I made the choice for me that the potential risk wasn't worth the potential reward right now. But maybe as my teeth get more yellow, I will look at it again. I just say that to say we have to make the choice that's right for us. We need to stop taking the authority figure and taking their word as law. So let's move on. Let's talk about five-step, seven-step, 10-step skincare regimens. It seems to me that the older we get, (laughs) the longer the regimen gets. I know there, you've said a lot, there's a lot of concerns. And if you're not looking at the specific formulation, it's hard to say. But in general, when it comes to the lotions and the cleansers and the I don't know, toners, what should we be concerned about? You're right. I would say it depends on the specific ingredients, but I'd like to point out that the Environmental Working Group has estimated that women use an average of 13 
unique products a day, which exposes them, if I got this right, if I remember it correctly, to 168 unique ingredients a day. That's not even volume of ingredients, but 168 unique ingredients. So that helps frame why it's important to be really conscious of what you're actually putting on your skin. You mentioned earlier, you have no idea how old I am. I'm almost 51, sadly. I'm almost 51. There are some really basic habits that can help protect the integrity of your skin and well-being. So sun protection is one thing to think about. From a young age, I've been really interested in glowing beautiful skin from the inside out. And that comes from what you eat, the quality of your ingredients. And so eliminating as much highly processed foods or processed foods in general can really make a difference and boosting the nutrient density of your diet. Experiment with that to see when you notice a difference in your skin. So many people that I've worked with talk about dramatic transformation from just cleaning up their diet. Third, of course, is what you actually put on your skin through the ingredients that are in the products that you use. I, again, with this aspect of my self-care routine, try and be as conservative as possible. And I found with extraordinarily dry skin that my skin feels best when I moisturize it with olive oil or sesame oil, shea butter, something I use on my feet and my hands. It's much thicker and creamier. But I've always had uncomfortably dry skin. And then during pregnancy, it was just unbearable as my skin stretched with the growing baby. And I wish I knew sooner that oils that are safe enough to eat would make my skin feel more comfortable than any product I've ever tried. And because what we put on our skin can penetrate and enter our bloodstream and travel throughout our body, it's important to detox what you use most often, what is applied all over your body. And I'm not trying to say everyone should be moisturizing that way, but try it. It's cheap. It's probably already in your kitchen. And if you can't stand it, then increase your experimentation with off-the-shelf products. But I try and start with the most non-toxic approach I can find. And then if I can't stand it, I go more toxic. So for example, with hair products like shampoo and conditioners, for years I've tried so many of the healthiest products. And once I started appearing more in public and on video, I had to go more toxic. <laughs> so, okay, a, a couple things. Number one, your skin is absolutely gorgeous. So I want to know all about your olive oil <laughs> technique because you are a walking <laughs> success story. 51 years old, holy moly. Uh, so I guess we'll start there. How does your olive oil s routine work? Like how much are you putting on? Is it at night? Tell me. <laughs> Every time after I shower, I actually, because my skin has gotten so much more dry, it's been changing a lot as I go through menopause. I've been playing with castor oil 
and mixing it with coconut oil, cold press. There's a certain cold press organic coconut oil. Not all oils are the same. I'm very picky about the oils I use both for the kitchen and on my skin. I feel a difference in my skin. And so every, you know, you are very oily after. So you need a few minutes to let it soak in and evaporate. After I shower, I go in my closet, I put on a podcast that absorbs my mind. I apply a mix of castor oil and coconut oil, but it easily could be olive oil. It used to be. And um, apply it all over. When I feel like it's not going to ruin my clothes, then I put clothes on. And sometimes if I need to get out sooner, I'll put a bathrobe on just to protect my clothes because it will accumulate in your clothes. But on my face, I use off-the-shelf products. So I love products by Tammy Fender. She creates plant-based formulas that I love, but a good friend of mine bought everything I use and it irritated her skin. So everyone's skin is so unique. What works great for me is not going to work great for even my own mother or my daughter's. For glowing skin, two important things I would point out is one is sweat naturally, whether it's through exercise, baths, or steam saunas or infrared saunas. And second is stress management. I really think that shows up on our skin. Yes. So again, so many things you're saying there are resonating with me. My skin is changing as I am aging. I now have a major eczema problem, especially during the winter. I, for the last three winters, uh, will have breakouts throughout the winter. My whole face will have a reaction, especially under my eyes. And so it's a constant management struggle. And I do find myself, so right now it's the winter and I had a breakout last week. And the only thing that's working for me is a product with ingredients that I'm not so thrilled about, PEGs in particular. Um, However, again, the reward of not... (laughs) Having a disgusting, scratchy, itchy, bright red, I can't go out in public face, the reward of using this product and not having that happen is worth the risk at this point. But I definitely hear your point there. What works for some person is not going to work with others. However, perhaps we start with the conservative options. And then if the conservative options are not working, then perhaps we... Um, go up the chain, uh, perhaps, I think is what you're saying. But you also said something too here, and I wrote it down because I thought it was really important. When it comes to skincare, you can glow on the inside and then it radiates outside. That is so true. Focus on your diet. I have mentioned on the show before, when I stopped drinking alcohol or cut back significantly, my skin shown. Oh, I don't have as many wrinkles as I thought when I'm hydrated. (laughs) Look at that. Shock and surprise. I don't need Botox. I just need to drink more water and drink less wine. It really was that simple. And so going off of your point there of glowing on the inside, I do believe we tend to spend an awful lot of time fixing what we perceive to be broken on the outside. But Perhaps we should each be spending 
that same amount of time or more time focusing on the inside. And this goes beyond diet. It goes into, you know, are you regularly in touch with and enjoying your passions on a daily basis? Are you committed to and working towards your personal growth? Are you stepping into your power, perhaps? Are you using your voice, perhaps? And so taking all that effort and energy and time and money that we're focusing on the external, let's put it back on the internal. Sophia, tell us about Number one, your book, where we can find it, but also more of your goodness. Where can we find you and Ruan Living on the World Wide Web? You can find the variety of things I work on at ruanliving.com, which is at www.ruanliving.com. But my newsletter is the best way to stay updated on the latest podcast detox workshops. I have a detox academy. You can find links to A to Z of detoxing and other workbooks I've created. But you can just text the word detox, D-E-T-O-X, to the number 66866 to sign up for the newsletter and stay updated with the latest offerings. Again, Sophia, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for your book. You sent it to me and I really appreciate it because I know I'm going to be earmarking the heck out of it as I continue along my own journey. So thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. Listeners, that's a wrap. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 442. I've linked to everything you need there. Quick reminder, it is not too late. You can still write to me and tell me your thoughts about the future of this show. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you need to go back to last Thursday's episode and listen to the ending, (laughs) listen to the outro. So if you listened and you know what I'm talking about, send me your thoughts. There's no wrong answer. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you got to go back and listen to last Thursday's episode. We do have an eco tip today, and it comes from Kim. Kim listened to my episode on Amazon Prime, and she wanted me to say that it paid for her to question whether subscribe and save, or I would say auto-subscribe on any website, actually is worth the money. Kim said she had auto-subscribed to an herbal supplement, but once her condition approved, she was stuck with three expensive bottles that cost her far more than the savings she received. And on the same vein, Kim said that if you're buying in bulk at Costco or BJ's or Sam's Club, those are the big bulk stores by me. If you're buying in bulk, the purchase seems less expensive because look how much you're getting. But if it's a food item, perhaps buying so much, buying in bulk is going to contribute to the food waste problem because food specifically may indeed expire before you get to eat it all. Kim also wanted me to mention that recently she had to buy tights for a wedding, and her husband pointed out that she could buy two pairs of tights and get one free. Sounds like a great deal, right? Well, Kim noted that she really only needed one pair, and so buying two to get one free would cost her twice as much versus saving that money. The eco tip here is to remember that sometimes promotions cost you more money rather than providing savings. So just because something's on sale, just because there's a 
buy one, get one, or buy two, get two, whatever the deal is, you really need to decide whether that promotion works for you before buying more than you otherwise would have. So great tips, Kim. Thank you so much for sending them my way. Listeners, if you have an eco tip, again, there's no wrong eco tip. So if you have one, you want it added into a show, send me a quick email or DM me on socials and I will add it in with your first name and thank you. We'll be back on Thursday. I will see you then and take care.